you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ooh, ooh, what a weekend. Uh, welcome to Locked On Indians. Let's get enthusiastic. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, if you're not familiar with me, uh, weird time to start listening to this show after the oddest weekend I can ever recall uh, for a three-game series for the Indians. But I used to write at Scout, and then Scout went under, and I wrote at 24-7, then 24-7 decided to get rid of baseball. And since then, I've just been here at Locked On. It's a great place to be. I have no complaints before that. You could have basically seen my writing or seen me referenced at any Cleveland sports blog that featured the Indians or the MLB draft. Yeah, this week, we're going to talk about the games. We're going to talk about some stats. We're going to talk about, you know, Zach Meisel does a great job over at The Athletic. He he had something that kind of blew my mind today. Just a, not necessarily a throwaway line, but a line of note that I have to talk about. Uh, we're going to get into all of it, but let's... Technically, the game is still going on right now. I am not watching it. Uh, maybe that makes me a bad fan, but at this point in time, what's the point? Uh, should we do our ever-present uh, draft pick watching? With the loss today, the Indians will fall down to 69-72. and 72. They're, still, they're currently sitting with the uh, 13th pick in the draft. Uh, the Angels are the same winning percentage. Uh, they're currently 5-5. Five five. They won their last one. We'll see. The, the loss today... Uh, with if the Angels win, you know, it creates the gap a little bit bigger. About three, what, uh, tenths, thousandths of a percentage point uh, back are the Mets. So, I mean, that right now, it's really those three teams are in that 13, 14, 15 spot. We talked about before, the Indians' highest and best uh, first-round pick ever by war is Manny Ramirez, who they took 13th. Uh, we won't get, in, I think, was it Bo Miller was the other player who went there, which... You know, you just don't see a lot of Juco guys going that high, and you never really have. It's an old approach. The Indians do not go that way anymore. That was kind of during the dark ages where this team couldn't draft their way out of a paper bag. Uh, But let's get into more negatives. (laughs) I know people out there have been like, oh, you know, be more positive. How can we be positive after this weekend? The Indians managed three runs on um, Friday. That is the big positive. I mean, the errors in this one. Uh, two on LaVarnway, one on Ahmed Rosario. One of those was LaVarnway decided to pick up a ball with his mask. Uh, the Indians stole six bases. They just, you know, decided that uh, Omar Navarez could be picked on, and it's hard to argue with the results, right? Like, at this point in time, uh, you can't argue with Straw stealing three, Jose Ramirez two, Zimmer even got one. Uh, they did lose this one. And they, you know, the three air. I mean, everything about this game was ridiculous, and it was probably the best game the Indians had this weekend. Uh, that is where we are for that one. We'll do our, our basics. Uh, Eli Morgan, your starter. It's two kind of rough starts for him in a row. Four and a third innings, uh, seven earned runs on eight hits, two walks, two strikeouts. He gave up two home runs. Uh, he only struck out two, and that's the thing, Morgan. If he is going to deal, if he's going to be kind of like the next Josh Tomlin, he's got to strike out a little bit more than that. If he's going to be a plus Josh Tomlin, he's got to get back to where he's striking out eight or nine per nine, which we saw earlier in the year. Uh, so we have, no, I'm sorry, his last start against Boston was solid. And then it was 
gave up two against Boston on the 29th, four against Texas on the 24th. He also had the bad start on August 12th against Oakland. He's had he's his ups and downs. I'm not like throwing Eli Morgan off a bridge here. I still think he is a fantastic sixth option for this team. Like, honestly, if he is your swing guy, think about the team's swing situation to start the year. Yes, technically that was Paul Quantrell, and that was fantastic, but Quantrell should have been in the rotation uh, from the start of the year. And instead of, you know, a J.C. Mejia or a Sam Henches, now you have Eli Morgan. I feel a lot more comfortable if he's their sixth starter. Uh, what's everyone else's view? You have to feel really good about this rotation heading into next year. I know this past weekend may not have made you feel like you should, but still, uh, when you're thinking about it, you're going to ha- likely have Bieber, Savale, Plesak, just because those are the three vets. And then McKenzie and Quantrell at four and five, with Morgan being your swing guy. Hopefully everyone can remain healthy. Shane Bieber threw a simulated game, I want to say, in Columbus this past week. So he's getting close to coming back. Uh, The rotation is what you have to be excited about. There's a lot of issues with this team, so get excited about a a good rotation. Uh, Other henches working out of the bullpen, one and two-thirds, gave up two earned runs. Trevor Steffian, one and two-thirds, struck out one, did not allow a base runner. And then Alex Young, one and one-third, had a hit and two walks. Who reached base multiple times? Well, Miles Straw had two walks. Jose Ramirez had two walks. He had two hits by Bobby Bradley. Uh, Fran Moraes had the only other hit. And you also had two walks by Bradley Zimmer. So while they had six walks in total, only three players had them. Uh, so you have three hits, two errors, and uh, six walks. So three, six, 11. You know, math, uh, not necessarily my strong point right now. Uh, they had 12 hits, three errors. They get some 15 walks, take some 19. They hit batter 20. So they got 10 runs on 20 opportunities. The Indians got three runs on, what I say, like uh, 11 opportunities. Uh, th- those are about fair. It was not Hauser's strongest. Uh, I mean, it was a solid performance by Hauser. He did give up all the walks, and, went, and the stolen bases allowed those runs, but he only gave up two runs, neither earned, five strikeouts, only allowed one hit. <laughs> the Indians would get a hit. I believe Bobby Bradley got a hit in the eighth, so then they wouldn't get a hit in the ninth. They didn't get, of course, they got no hit on Saturday for the third time, one could argue fourth time, because that seven-inning uh, affair. The odd fact that all three of the full nine-inning ones were with Zach Plesak pitching. Now, and, and what's interesting is Zach Plesak also had uh, two, along with Tristan McKenzie, two of the nearest um no hitters this year for the Indians. So Plesak's actually been uh, kind of close in those situations himself. But yeah, he's been uh, had a no hitter thrown against him three times. Uh, but yeah, so they got a hit in the eighth, didn't get one in the ninth. They go the nine innings, then they didn't get a hit till the sixth in Sunday's game. So they had 18 straight innings without a hit. Uh, we'll just throw that stat in now. Who are our three stars in this one? Uh, Straw had two walks and three stolen bases. Uh, that's easy. Uh, two hits for Ramirez with two stolen bases. Uh, those two players. And then it comes down to Bobby Bradley, who did have two hits, or Trevor Steffian, who had the good inning of relief. We're going to give it to Bobby Bradley for the two hits. Just more valuable, I think, in the grand scheme. Uh, you know, your Straw continues to do his thing. Ramirez continues to do his thing. Fran Mill maybe didn't have it in this one. He did have a hit still, but... You have some parts and pieces. You just need more. Unfortunately, they're not having that right now. Let's bounce over, talk about game two, then we'll take our commercial break. 
I got a little thing on my phone that was like, okay, you know, uh, Corbin Burns making a Cy Young candidacy. And I'm like, dude should have already been the favorite before this game. This just helped give him a signature game for that award. Eight innings, one walk, 14 strikeouts. Uh, Josh Hader came in to the ninth and got two strikeouts to finish it. Burns had 115 pitches. You are a team in Milwaukee that's setting up for the postseason so much so. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, one of the other top pitchers in baseball, they gave him the, they pushed him back, gave him a little bit of rest, brought in Lauer, uh, the Ohio kid, to pitch, and he was brilliant on Sunday. But Burns is at 115 pitches. Don't you don't want to kill a guy's arm for the sake of a no hitter? Uh, he's got the stuff to get back there. Another one of those St. Mary's Gales guys. Uh, we keep talking about players from that program. It is a program to watch. It is a very successful program. I'm going to continue to hype it because. It's real. And, you know, the Brewers, they have their ups and downs. What they do, they're kind of like the Indians, though. Developmentally, they're hitting. Look at that team. That entire roster, who developed in their system? That pause is, it's nobody. If I just look at that Saturday game, Colton Wong, free agent. Eduardo Escobar, trade. Yelich, trade. Never as trade. Jace Peterson, I believe, has bounced around as a free agent. Arias, trade. Dan Vogelbach was a was designated for assignment. Rowdy Tellez was a player who was designated for assignment. And then uh, Lorenzo Cain, I mean, he came up in their system to a degree, but his maturation and everything else was in the Royals before he returned. They literally have no one in their everyday lineup who uh, was someone they developed. That's just not what they do. But pitching-wise, that rotation is fantastic. Their bullpen is really good. You even look at players like Drew Pomeranz, who came there and they helped fix him up a bit, and he got big money as a free agent in San Diego. Uh, this is definitely a team that mirrors the Indians in a lot of regards. Uh, they can't seem to develop their own hitting to save their life, uh, but the Brewers have the advantage that they can go out and spend a little more. They do. I mean, they made that trade for Escobar taking on his contract. They signed Kane to a big contract. Jackie Bradley Jr., was a pretty expensive sign for a guy who's been a platoon player for them. Uh, it's been interesting to see, interesting to follow. And if you're out there, yes, I realize I, in my mind, even though I said this game was in Cleveland, this series, I didn't uh, do DHs. I talked about like there, like it was in Milwaukee, even though I knew it wasn't in Milwaukee, because if the game was in Milwaukee, I would have gone. I live there now. Uh, I would have tried to check it out. But yeah, I realize now about that situation. So yeah, the, the Indians got their hand hands handed to him let's keep this uh, appropriate uh trying to find my correct tab here who reached base twice well nobody Lyle <laughs> Straw had the only walk uh he did have an error as did Bradley Zimmer two of the good fielders it wasn't a bad start by Plesak six innings four hits two walks three strikeouts he gave up three runs only two earned Shaw came in had one hit he gave up uh Blake Parker had two walks a strikeout and a hit uh, Garza came out and had a one hit, one strikeout inning. Six innings, two earned runs. That's you're gonna take that. So I give uh, Plesac one of the uh, the stars. I would give Shaw another one, and then Garza the third. Uh, you know, when you have an error and the walk, I'm I'm not gonna give it to Straw for that. So your three stars are Garza, Shaw, and Plesac. Parker allowed three earned runs. Three, he didn't allow any earned runs. He allowed three base runners in his inning. That's why he is not the one who gets it. Uh, yeah, it's just it's embarrassing. It's at that point in time, it's comical. 
and it's kind of sad. I don't think there's another way around it. It's a comically sad weekend. We'll come back, talk about Game 3. We'll talk about some of the stats we really just haven't had a chance to dive into recently. But first, a quick commercial break. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. So we can safely talk about the uh, Sunday game. It has ended as I am recording. Uh, the Indians lose this one 11-1. Oh, I know we didn't do the breakdown of last game, but uh, does anyone really care? Like, it's just so embarrassing. It's an embarrassing weekend if you're an Indians fan. There's no other way around it. Uh, so in this one... Savali got lit up. Uh, I believe a leadoff home run. Colton Wong then homered again. I don't know how many times he has had a multi-home run game. Uh, Osvaciel Garcia had a multi-home run game. They had five home runs uh, for Milwaukee. Uh, Shaw got lit up late. Classe came out and was brilliant uh, in his one inning. Whitgren had a solid one. Uh, They called up Francisco Perez because they needed some additional arms. Sent down Daniel Johnson. He hadn't been playing as much. He... It's interesting that Daniel Johnson just has never gotten a real look. I, I don't necessarily think that means like he's done for. I mean, think about how long like Bowers and Mercado and Zimmer have stuck around as essentially guys who weren't getting opportunities consistently. Uh, they would get runs here or there, but Johnson has never gotten any run at all. But Perez came in and uh, was helpful, and he came into a rough situation uh, as well in this one. As I mentioned before, on the mound for uh, the Brewers, Eric Lauer, Kent State kid. Part of what is, you know, probably their worst trade, the Brewers in recent memory. Uh, Zach Davies, who, whatever, he hasn't been much, but Trent Grisham went the other way. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yes, he, is, he goes by Grisham now. He's one of those players that changed his name. Um, and so, you know, you got to learn, and it's fair, and I'm not saying anything negative about him in that regard. I'm just trying to myself remember what it is uh, so I can say it correctly. But, yeah, he that trade, they need Lauer. And Lauer's playing better this year. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He has been a better player this year. And it, he's showing up for them. He is showing up for uh, the Brewers as a potential starter, uh, as kind of like their fourth guy I think Hauser is their fifth and when you're looking at this team uh, they're they've got that top three their top three is as good as anyone's in baseball I I will take the Brewers top three against any top three in baseball right now Uh, and then when you come in and your four is Lauer and you look at his numbers it's it's really impressive and you know like I said they do excellent excellent work when it comes to pitcher development. Uh, Eno Saris over at The Athletic had a great piece about some of the things that they've done and worked on, and I don't always understand all of it. It's even like beyond my ken when it comes to some of the uh, the new thinking, but uh, the long and short, the Brewers, are uh, they do some things amazingly well. The Indians had four hits in this one and just one walk. Nobody reached base twice. 
they they didn't have a base hit till the sixth inning, so that was 18 straight innings without a hit. They did manage to get some things together. Uh, they had a walk before that, but Harold Ramirez got picked off. Uh, it was another ugly game. No extra base hits. I'm trying to think if they had one the entire weekend. I don't think they did, right? Uh, this was So this is a series you want to forget. Uh, was it Alan Ashby? I want to say is the Ashby here. Aaron Ashby. Alan and Andy were the brothers. Aaron Ashby, the second or third round pick a few years ago, got the three-inning save. Lyra went five and two-thirds. Brad Boxberger. Too many B's there for me. Went two-thirds of an inning in relief. Uh, Savali, three innings, seven hits, seven runs, two walks, three strikeouts, three home runs. Francisco Perez comes in, gets a strikeout and a hit in two innings. Alex Young gives up a run on two hits. He also struck out two. Wickren, one inning, one hit. Brian Shaw, one inning, a walk, two hits. Gives up a multiple home runs in that inning. Three earned runs. Then Class A, one inning, two strikeouts. Do the box score math. 13-3 and three is 16. Uh, there were no hit batters. So you have uh, 16 plus the two errors. I had lots of errors this weekend for the Indians. Uh, just sloppiness. Uh, 18 opportunities. They got 11 runs. That's better than expected, but that happens when you have a uh, five-home run day. The Indians had four hits and one walk, five opportunities, one run. That's average-ish for that expected opportunity. Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, the two with the errors. Jose has 14, and it's high, but it also shows why errors aren't exactly ideal because every advanced metric has him having his best defensive season ever at third. Uh, Med Rosario, they're leaving him there because that's what he's played all year. But for him to be most valuable, uh, he has to find a new home. Shortstop is just not his position. It's not where he plays his best. And he's a net negative there. Yes, his main value is he's a lefty killer. He's a a plus loop low right now because he can be closer to league average against righties. And we talked about on Friday's show, if you go back, that uh, the baseball reference page really likes him. His age comps were a lot of players who were athletic like he is, who broke out, uh, you know, next year would be his quote-unquote breakout season based on how a lot of these other players were. So that's a three-game series. (laughs) The losses. Uh, I was going to talk about Shaw, but we can move on. It was a bad game for him. I think he's... It's debatable if you want to bring him back in a year or not. What is interesting with Shaw, the quick note when I was diving into his numbers, his walk rate has come down, but so is the strikeout rate. This is a guy who earlier in the year was like a walk rate approaching 9 and a strikeout rate at like 11 or 12. Now he's the walk rate's still over 5. It's still not ideal. The strikeout rate is now more close to his career norms. He's also been extremely home run prone. Part of his extreme success in the start of the year was a unsustainably high strand rate. He would get a lot of guys on base and then leave them there, which can be helped in part when you have a high strikeout um, rate. His has gone down. Uh, I, I don't know. And again, it's going to come down to cost. Like he's going to hit free agency. And if he's willing to take another contract similar to what he made this year, there'll be a home for him in Cleveland. Uh, if he doesn't want that, if he's going to go out there searching for more, then there is a strong case to be made that he will likely be somewhere else. Uh, I just don't think he is quite worth you know, investing a ton of money to keep. I don't think uh, if he's going to cost you anything over a million, you move on. And even at a million, I would likely move on. But they're going to need some experienced pitchers back there as that bullpen will likely go through some major changes this next season. 
So we're going to take this commercial break coming up. We're going to come back and discuss some stats. Oh, wait, before we do that, uh, I closed out the game, and I shouldn't have done that. Three stars for the Indians in this game. I did not do my... I've just been so... uh, Everything was so botched in this series that I'm completely off my game. Uh, So for the Indians, who are your three stars? Nobody reached base twice. So Francisco Perez, two innings, one strikeout, one hit. That's good enough for me. Emmanuel Classe, one inning, two strikeouts, drops out ERA to one four six. There's just nothing for me offensively to get behind in this one. Uh, so I think you go with Wickren, one inning, uh, one hit. <laughs> the fact that of late in the past week I've had to do a lot of, hey, they didn't give up a run and one inning pitched, that takes you one of the three stars of the game, is uh, extremely expressive no i don't think that's what i want uh it's it really goes to show how bad things have been of late uh tankathon let's see if it is updated with their loss right now yes it has their their most recent loss they're down to a 49 percentage uh let's see let's go over and check one other thing with the loss uh that would put i mean entering the day the tigers are three and a half games behind the indians for number two in the division I don't know if they're going to catch him, but uh, maybe. Now we'll take that quick commercial break. We'll come back and talk about uh, some stats. And we'll talk about the previously teased stat that stood out to me for uh, from the Zach Meisel piece on The on the Athletic. Built Bar. So I got my banana cream puff uh, bars. Those are, I talked about, they do banana well. I like the puff. It comes in a nice little uh, sealed thing. It's It's been warm up here in Wisconsin, but it came in the... The silvery package seal with an ice pack that's reusable in there as well. I got my boxes, and I'm enjoying them. I'm enjoying having the different ones. Uh, that's like my fourth box this year, and I keep going back to Built Bar because it's just a product I love. It is a product I eat. It's a product I enjoy. Before I came down to do the podcast, I grabbed one as kind of a quick lunch uh, as I find the time in the day. You know, got a four-year-old, got a newborn, trying to balance everything. Built Bar is perfect. Grab it, taste it. It's delicious and it's good for you. I can never get over the fact that with as good as it is, with all the chocolatey bits on it, that it constantly gets an A rating by my health food app. Everything in there is so good for you that you're shocked that it can be that good tasting and that good for you. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's what I used on my most recent order. Uh, They've got the new Built Balls. They've always got interesting Built Bar flavors. Check it out for yourself. You'll love it. BuiltBar.com. Remember, use that promo code LOCKED15. I mentioned Zach Meisel, and he's a fantastic writer, and I love everything he does, and I, all of his pieces are worth reading. Uh, but I thought I was like nestled in this piece that he wrote about the Indians' woes and everything they need to change and do. Uh, you know, and I'm still going to, side note, time for me to be like, you know, Bradley Zimmer, compared to everyone else this weekend, again, as a fourth outfielder, I'm still all for keeping him. I, I stand by the fact that with his defense with he has shown with some of the ability. Fourth outfielder, he's good. Mercado and Ramirez, those are two guys that I move on from because they just they don't bring a secondary skill. At least I can say with someone like Zimmer, there is the defense, there's the speed, and you know, there's that. Uh, but as he's sticking into this piece on like the Indians and you know, frankly they need a new left fielder, a new right fielder, a new second baseman. it's second base is hard. I mean Jimenez was supposed to be he was the star of that trade and you know, I did not love, I loved the Clevenger trade. And I was very upfront about that. I did not love, love the Lindor trade. And I know they had limited parts and pieces and this and that. But at the end of the day, it's like, I would have rather taken less 
or just, you know, J.D. Davis has kind of been a man without a home. Putting him at first for the Indians would have solved a lot of first base woes. Jimenez was the star, and we're talking about him as, like, he doesn't have a spot nailed down for next year. Uh, that's why, I mean, you're hoping he'll just be the shortstop, but Arias is coming quick. Uh, Rosario's got to find a new home. Josh Wolf is not really impressed this year. Isaiah Green's had a good season, but I the overall return, no matter how you want to look at that deal, the Indians traded their third best first rounder ever, a player who had been on a Hall of Fame level of performance in his early career, and they got a guy who's a platoonish player, you know, league average, and then we're not sure beyond that. That's rough to take. But to come around, <laughs> man, I really got off track there. What happened, what Meisel pointed out is uh, the hitting coach, uh, Ty Van, I'm blanking on his name, but you know who I'm talking about, is the longest tenured hitting coach in baseball. That when 2013, when Tito came, he was Tito's choice. And that doesn't surprise me. Tito is uh, almost obscenely loyal. And we saw that when the stuff came out about Mickey Calloway, where, you know, the it didn't make Tito look good, where Tito is calling like the husband of a dude that Mickey Calloway is fooling around with the guy's wife just to be like, hey, it's consensual, you know, maybe you just shouldn't be concerned uh, that he was doing things like that to take care of his boys. And uh, the hitting in Cleveland has been pretty bad, and they've got this really old-school approach to it. And who has straightened out their hitting in Cleveland? Who has figured it out up there? Has there been anyone, or is it always the trip down to the minors? You know, they had a Jason Tool or Justin Tool, the you know the guy who played nine positions in nine innings, is kind of an advanced uh, statistics and approach and data-driven uh, way to go about hitting. The data-driven hitting is well, well, well behind data-driven pitching, which is what the Indians have been super great with. Uh, but it's also kind of speaks to the organization's view on uh, on their current hitting coach when they're bringing in someone to help them out. They're bringing in someone to give another perspective because it's just not working and it's still not working and uh, no one's getting better in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, that's not fair. Fran Mo Reyes, we talked about, is getting better in Cleveland. Uh, but, I, you know, you, I don't know how much a hitting coach actually brings. I don't know what happens. I don't. It's hard to signify and quantify the value. But it's just odd to think that with all of their issues that they have the longest tenured hitting coach in all of baseball. So let's, let's just talk some basic stats now when we come over the Cleveland Indians page. So let's see now as we check in partway through the year, partway through the year, most of the way through the year, who are the players who have a runs created plus over 100? Who are the guys who are hitting? Well, it should be unsurprising that Jose Ramirez is the highest at 134. Now, for those who are not familiar with runs created plus, it's a simple stat. So don't get, I know some people, my best friend's dad turned off my <laughs> podcast once going, I, I, I don't understand. This is a very simple stat. So runs created plus is they take all the stuff out there. So instead of having like hits, home runs, everything, it quantifies it all together. It weighs everything and then makes the average 100. So that's really easy. If a player is at 100, they're average. Anything above it, above average. Anything below, below average. And as you get like groups of 10 past, that's kind of like a standard derivation curve. So every like 110, 120, those are important. But the whole thing is 100. Higher, good. Lo- higher, good. Lower, bad. So 134 for Jose, 130 by Franmo. I think we'd all expect that. Those guys have performed really well. Miles Straw is up to 111 since he came to Cleveland. Uh, he was hanging out around, like, I want to say, like 100, 104 first. So he's been great. You have those three pieces. Bobby Bradley's down to a 104. Uh, at points, he was like at a 140 in that first month. 
He has come back, come back, come back. I think he was, at, when I checked about a week ago, I want to say he was still like a 111, 112. So he's really come down to earth. Ahmed Rosario is sitting at 97. He's been right about league average. Bradley Zimmer's down to a 92. He had gone over it, but he's been sitting around that. Uh, you know, Cesar Hernandez was a 99. That was good production they had with him uh, before his trade away. Uh, Josh Naylor was an 88 before his injury. Harold Ramirez, an 86. Uh, Eddie Rosario, who I, I think sometimes we forget, like that was their big money addition more than anything else. He's an 83. That was a complete bust of a signing. Uh, you can keep going down. I mean, catcher has been, you know, we, Andres Jimenez is at a 50. Austin Hedges is at a 34. Roberto Perez is at a 54. Yeah, it's not been good. They This is the problem we, we talked about. Okay, they're getting okay production out at first, but it is production that has been gradually declining. Uh, their DH is set. Their third base is set. Ahmed Rosario can play somewhere. Like, personally, I still think outfield, like left field, something like that long-term uh, is the way to go. It's not shortstop. Hopefully one of these young players, then hopefully, you know, you're hoping. I thought we'd see Nolan Jones this year. We're not going to. Uh, Arias just destroyed AAA. At some point, he's got to get a call up. I, I, you don't want to go out and add four bats. And you, they are supposedly committed to increasing payroll. They also supposedly have a new minority owner who's going to step in who's going to help a lot in that situation and allow them to spend more. I mean, if they can just go out and add two to three guys or you can make trades. Uh, I was talking with uh, old friend alert, uh, Hiram, you know, very divisive Cleveland fan. I know that in general, but, you know, Hiram's passionate. So that's I, I'm always happy to have someone who cares and someone who doesn't. And we're, he was talking about, you know, could the Indians trade for Ty O'Neill if you listen to the podcast? I don't see how they trade for Ty O'Neill. I don't see why St. Louis would ever want to give up Ty O'Neill. Guy's going to win a gold glove and hit 30 home runs, and they've got multiple years of team control. I think the interesting guy to consider is Robbie Grossman. Now, this is where Hyman and I disagree. He's like, yeah, they already have guys like Grossman. Grossman, in the past, since 2016, his lowest runs created plus was an 89. His second lowest is a 104. He's at a 116 this year. Yeah, he's not the best defender, but he consistently walks, consistently gets on base, consistently is offensively productive. He has one year, five million left. Why would Detroit trade him in division? Well, uh, I don't think they're quite feeling their own 40-man crunch yet. And you got Torkelson and Green sitting there in AAA. Now, they might decide to, to keep, you know, wait to bring up those young guys, but as a team, uh, Akil Badu is also there as part of that outfield, and he has been fantastic. They have a lot of interesting players. They're a team where they actually have some outfield depth. So that that could kind of be... That's my under-the-radar one to throw out there. I mean, like, see, their current outfield... Center field's a bit of a mess. Derek Hill is a great defender. His bat is just non-existent. But you got Grossman and Badu in the corners, and then you have, like I said, guys like Green and Torque very close there might be some ways. Then again, they might just view him as the perfect short-term option. Uh, the Yankees have so many outfielders. I don't know who they're willing to trade or what they would love to, you know, how much contract they would eat to get rid of certain players. Uh, I mean, they could always revisit a Clint Frazier talk. I mean, he is, we talked about that article in the year. We don't know if Clint Frazier is going to play baseball again. Uh, it's hard to figure out. But just as we talk about where this team is offensively, and, you know, Zach Mize also talked about that this in his piece, we know they have center field, uh, and Zach brings up, you know, they haven't drafted an all-star outfielder since Manny Ramirez. 
I'll go even further to what I've talked about many times in this podcast. They haven't even drafted a good outfielder since Luke Scott. You have Luke Scott and Ryan Church are the good outfielders they have drafted uh, since Manny Ramirez, and that's it. Everyone else since then has been uh, varying degrees of mediocre to bad, uh, even the best. I mean, Bradley Zimmer, I think. I mean, Tyler Tyler Naquin, I believe, at the end of this year is going to be the third greatest outfielder that they have drafted since Manny Ramirez. So offensively, I mean, honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, first base probably needs a replacement. Left field, center, and right field probably need a replacement. I'm going to think second base, you don't look at a bet. You let Jimenez play. You give him that as an assigned position and go from there. You have to give those young players an opportunity. Tell me what you think. We'll continue to dive into the stats, discuss next year, because let's be honest, at this point in time, next year is more the focus than anything else. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It really helps. And for the next year, go Tribe. After that, go, go Guardians, go.